0: And welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. My name is Nikki and I'm CEO and founder of Exaptic, a robotics company based in Melbourne, specializing in assistive robotics, in particular, TEMI. Today, my guest is Gal Goran, CEO and co founder of TEMI. Gal, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Nikki, for this uh, opportunity to, to interview you in this podcast.
0: Man, listen, it's a great pleasure. So as everyone that listens to my podcast knows, I specialize in people that work with robotics in Australia and all the people and, and stuff there. But considering I'm the distributor of Temi, um, I think I have the right to bring in you that's now based in China. So it's a great pleasure. <laughs> so tell us tell us about the journey of the Temi robot. How did this all happen?
1: Oh, this is... a. Uh... it's a crazy journey journey with a long story but uh, basically we started this journey in uh, Israel in 2016 uh, with uh, a vision in mind that uh, we want to create a device that will be used for elderly care mainly And uh, once we started to do the the design and to do the marketing survey and to understand the elderly care industry, we understood something very significant. We understood that uh, uh, old people don't really want to use devices that are designed for old people. They want to feel young, they want to feel uh, capable. They don't want to use uh, the, the cane stick or whatever. And in parallel to that, we started to enjoy the product by ourselves. We started to feel that uh, this product can be used to for many different kinds of applications. And then we did some uh, a turnover. So in the first two years, um, uh, Israel uh, had a big R&D team of engineers uh, creating the first uh, models of 10. After about two years of uh, designing, we felt that this uh, technology um, can really work and can really do the job. So I moved, I relocated with my family to China. Uh, in order to start in parallel to the R&D process to start to see how we are going to manufacture it and uh, in order to to go to the next uh, scale up process. Um, And over time, uh, China became a very significant uh, hub for us because we discovered that uh, in Shenzhen there are are great talents Um, so we were able to shift uh, the center of R&D also to China and uh, Shenzhen is probably one of the best places in the world to do complex manufacturing. You know, with with one hour drive from my office, there is 100% of the supply chain, Mm -hmm. which is uh, quite amazing. So currently from uh, China, we are from Shenzhen, we are running the uh, global operations uh, all over the world, including Australia, of course. Um, And it's been a, a very, very, interesting and challenging
0: uh, journey personally and for them. So what 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 particular challenges have you faced um, going to China like I imagine now uh, being an Israeli so no offense that's been like a South African I think there would have been a culture shock for everyone <laughs> um, because we we regard it as quite blunt people we don't mean anything with it it's just the way we we come across and um, yeah, I, I think the, just, just the cultural nuances would have been quite challenging.
1: Yes, I think that any foreigner that lands in China will have a cultural shock. It's like uh, moving to, to a different planet, <laughs> uh, basically. Um, so for us as a family, you know, it, was, uh, it was very hard. I arrived with a uh, three weeks old year boy uh, in addition to his uh, 2 grown up uh, sister and brother, um, and when I arrived to China, you know there was nothing. There was no office. There was no employee. There, of course, there is no operation. Uh, we just need to start everything. And in parallel to that, we need to hold this family together yeah. uh, and with all the hurdles of uh, getting used to a new place. So, definitely the start was very chaotic. Uh, But I think that one of the things that uh, Israeli people like to say about themselves is that they were quite resilient. So, (laughs) um, So, step by step, we started to figure it out. At the beginning, you know, how do you recruit people? How do you pay salaries? There is no bank account. There is no registered companies. You know, the beginning was that uh, I I went to the ATM with my personal uh, credit card from Israel in order to withdraw cash to give yeah. to the first employees. You know? Yeah. So the first, so the beginning was very uh, uh, not uh, you know, not uh, it was not ordinary. Uh, But step-by-step we started to to recruit the people and to understand uh, what will be the plan for the next, uh, at the beginning, it was very short plans, you know, how to find the next supplier, how to find the, but I think the key point, and I say to any foreigner that uh, will find himself in China or basically in any, foreign place that is not familiar with the culture, not familiar with the way to do business, recruit the best people you can find and let them lead you. Because they will know better. Definitely at the beginning and I can tell you after four years that they still know much better. Mm -hmm. They still know much better how uh, to see the bigger picture. You know I'm not talk- I'm not speaking the language it's a it's a huge barrier I cannot understand the small gestures in the phrasing you know there are until today there are meetings that at the end of the meeting I thought that something A happened but in actual B happened you know <laughs> it's it's very confusing but um, but you need to find the right team to trust to give them your trust, and, and to let them lead you at some at some point. To let them lead you. Uh, this is the only way to, to move forward.
0: So how big is the um, Israeli community in China? Is there one? And how is your wife adapted? I think that's, like I always thought when you're going anywhere, you know, when my, when my husband and I came to Australia, the first thing was, is my wife happy? If your wife is happy, you happy. That's That's a motto for any man listening to the show, any person. But let me just. So, how how did she cope with it?
1: So, um, I think that uh, the beginning for all of us, it was, it was, as I said, it was a big shock. In our case, because we came with a three weeks old baby, basically it was. Eventually, it was good. Why? Because it was the base. You know, she needed to stay home and to take care of him. And this is something she would do anyways, even if we would be in Israel. And she was very happy to do so. My wife is a registered uh, nurse. She's an expert in uh, breastfeeding and uh, pregnancy. and labor. She's very connected to this field. So I think that the first uh, one and a half years uh, basically was very good. Thanks to that uh, and after that, you know, the, the, the only way to survive it is probably to find something that you love to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, when you are, when you do a, a real, a relocation experience, some of it, if you are not the one that you know that needs to work, some of it sometimes is to to accept it and to enjoy the fact that you have a little bit more freedom that you had before. Now, If you really understand it, you can do great things Mm -hmm. with that. I'm sure that at some point, you know, we start to get tired uh, from that. And then comes the third, phase which is starting your own business or, or developing your own uh, uh, new skills that can this new uh, uh, opportunities can bring to you. I think that after the fourth year if you establish it right then you, you start to feel comfortable start to feel yeah. comfortable because you know you have your routine. you have uh, you're getting used to uh, the things that you do I think that yes you need you need to find the things the tips you will definitely occupy
0: yeah, listen, I I can't agree with you more. Like, I, I know from my own experience of immigrating, you need to you need to get something that grips you at home. Your wife's obviously a highly intelligent woman, so you need to be intellectually stimulated, which is a little bit hard with young kids because you know you you're the primary caregiver. Are your children going to an international school or um a, a, a local school?
1: The... The the older ones are going to international schools. They have uh, three kids. One of them is eleven years old now. The other one is seven and uh, four years old. So the two older ones are going to international school. At the beginning, of course, it was also for them very hard. You know, in the international school to speak, speak mm-hmm. English, but they are not coming with the English coming yeah. from Israel. So. Yeah. So, the first uh, eight months uh, was, uh, were very frustrating for them. You know, my, my middle, uh, uh, the, my daughter, my seven years old daughter, she, she's speaking continuously and endlessly. <laughs> and she arrived to a class that she cannot even ask to go to the bathroom, you know. So, it was very, very frustrating for her. But I think both of them, after eight months, something happens something magical happens you know with the braids yeah and and they start to speak fluent english you can hear my english my accent is terrible they're laughing on me <laughs> they're laughing on my english you know then how come your english is so bad <laughs> <You know? laughs> but the big bonus the big bonus comes with the chinese yeah, they are speaking amazing Chinese in, in addition to the English. So, so when they, I they... go with them on the streets, you know, I, I'm asking them, "Can you ask this uh, guy to do this and that?" You know, they speak English, and I feel so, so stupid. <laughs> Listen,
0: I love it. So they trilingual, so Hebrew, English, and Mandarin. Like they'll be world citizens.
1: Yeah. The problem now is that they are mixing every sentence with these three languages, you know, nothing yeah. <laughs> is
0: <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like a zoo in your house, kind like anyone else's. <laughs> so listen, how big is your team worldwide with Timmy, you know, so obviously do, do you still have people in Israel doing some R&D or any work there?
1: Yeah, so the Israel, in Israel we keep the, the core engineers, yeah. uh, innovation is uh, based in Israel and some uh, and senior management. Uh, in USA, we have a small office that doing uh, marketing, sale, and customer support. And uh, currently the center of mass is in Shenzhen. We have about uh, 70 uh, employees, uh, half of them responsible for r and engineering, the rest are responsible for uh, Uh, production, global marketing, sales uh, in China, finance, operation, everything else that uh, this kind of company requires. Um, And we are keeping, uh, we keep expanding. Our way to expand globally is not with the, as a small company, you know, is not with our in-house employees. The way for us to expand is to work with the people like you, which are experts in their fields, experts in their local markets, and uh, we work with them uh, closely in order for them to succeed in their local uh, markets.
0: So how many distributors do you have worldwide and are you looking for more?
1: So currently uh, we are working in about uh, 20 countries around the world. Uh, We're working uh, of course in the China mainland but also in the Hong Kong, Macau, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, Australia of course, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. Um, we recently have uh, new distributors in the Middle East in UAE, uh, Morocco, Germany, UK, Netherlands, uh, France, USA, France, we are negotiating now. Yeah. Uh, I hope to we will have it soon. Canada and Brazil. And of course that we are, we want to keep and expanding. I think that right now the company and the product are in uh, this point that the product is, uh, is matured enough. Um, and we already have all the certifications. To sell uh, in Europe, in USA, in the rest of the world, safety certifications, consumer certifications, um, and yes, we um, we definitely want to keep and uh, expand our business more.
0: So, in terms of telepresence robots, like, um, what do you think is the best feature of the Tami robot?
1: I think. Um, Temi, Temi has a, let, let's say that Temi has four main verticals. The first one is the telepresence, as you said, which is uh, a significantly important uh, for a machine that's supposed to give remote services. Um, the, third, the, the second one is, uh, uh, is that this system is fully autonomous. It means that it can go from any point A to any point B. And the idea is to let the user to do minimum activities in order to get Timmy from point A to point B. Uh, the third thing is the smart assistant. Uh, Timmy is in a way that you can replace the smart assistant. So smart assistant it doesn't mean only that Timmy can speak now fluently in Mandarin or in Spanish or in English or in Japanese. It's not only about the language. It's also about the services that you can consume with your local smart assistant. So, in, uh, for example, in China, we are, we are collaborating with uh, Tencent. So, Temi can speak Mandarin, but also can get all the services that the users usually get uh, from Tencent, like Tencent TV, news, uh, uh, WeChat services, payments, etc., yeah. etc. So, with the ability to replace the smart assistant, we can localize TEMI to different markets quickly. But for your question, the most important feature of TEMI is that TEMI is designed as an open system. It means that every industry, any developer can design different applications for TEMI you can imagine that temi in a hospital is working totally differently than temi in a hotel but it's the same temi the only difference is the application and and we provide the sdk software development kit for the developers and for the businesses to build their application on top of the sdk and in this way uh, we want to see temi distributed to many many different uh, industry verticals.
0: So that's uh, the idea behind your Temi store as well, is that people developing apps um, themselves and can commercialize it as well if they wanted to.
1: Yes, we need to, to see Temi store like uh, our ecosystem. A developer in Brazil can design a very nice application and uh, and a user in Japan can download it and use it. I think um, of course that it's dependent on the application you know a, a hospital that designed application probably will not upload it to the apps mm-hmm. um, but there are many independent developers uh, that are developing apps uh, in order for this uh, TEMI ecosystem to to operate um, we have uh, thousands of thousands downloads worldwide from, from, this, from this app store, Temi's store, and, um, and we will continue to grow this store. So
0: I often get the, asked the question with robotics, like the security around it. So I know Matfi gave Timmy like a really robust uh, going over. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, um, I'm happy that you are asking that we just released a new version of Temi. I think it was uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And this version is a significantly important because this version includes a full mechanism uh, of Temi security. Um, security is very important thing, especially for uh, devices like Temi. Temi has cameras, it has microphones, uh, it is connected to the web. And uh, and it basically can uh, uh, be in uh, sensitive areas, hospital, hotels, uh, banks, it doesn't matter, even in your your home. And the last thing that uh, you want that will happen is someone will be able to hack it. Mm -hmm. So Temi is equipped with uh, one of the most powerful security solutions in the world Uh, and it is monitored 24 hours 7 worldwide Uh, and we can detect any network irregularities of all the things that are uh, online and connected to the network. Um, And this is a a, a solution um, that uh, was required by many enterprises that are using Temi which are connected to the intranet uh, networks. And currently uh, Temi is uh, well secured and with any request of, uh, of any enterprise that need to do any changes to the network security, now it become much more easier with a very, very nice uh, user interface dashboard for this uh, security. matters.
0: Listen, Galad, I, I mean, I was gonna ask you what's been the most significant upgrade, but I, I reckon that's the most significant upgrade because I think we're on, uh, we're on version 12 now on our software version, so... Um, that's actually phenomenal because that's that's always of concern and yes. um, you speak about 24 hours monitoring like have you seen any activity of people trying to to hack um temis worldwide yes yes yeah.
1: we saw it we saw it and uh, the system is automatically blocking it yeah and uh, we have because we can connect to any
0: yeah
1: around the world we can analyze what's the issue and uh, sometimes sometimes you find out that the, the owner of the team needed to configure it in some way in order to, to meet his network requirements. So we can for every specific system, we can change the, the permissions in order to meet his requirements. And if we and the system, once it detects that there is something unusual, it's immediately blocking all the uh, communication, and we get a notification in order to, to handle that. Um, we can see a worldwide phenomenon of uh, uh, hacking um, tries into IoT devices. And uh, TEMI is, another, is a, another IoT device, and we need to make sure it is protected with the best technology available.
0: So, do you notify the TEMI owners then that they, their TEMIs have been, there's been a hack attempt? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, basically, basically, basically,
1: basically we, the first thing that we do is block this communication. So, probably the, the owner will understand that something will, is wrong, but yeah. we will proactively uh, contact you.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, because I mean, you you know, obviously you know in which country it is because uh, all your distributors work with you in terms of like where the is on, and we we've yes. got contact with the owners as well.
1: Yes, um, I, I want to say that uh, it's not the uh, the major improvement that we did lately. We recently released to the market Temi Version Two. Yeah. Okay. Uh, TEMI version 2 has uh, mm-hmm. significantly improved hardware performance Uh we changed the LiDAR from a 10 meter radius mapping to 40 meter radius mapping. We changed the mm-hmm. obstacle avoidance sensors mm-hmm. uh, to be able to detect half centimeters obstacles and go around it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the new version, of course, supports all these new sensors. Mm-hmm. And we plan to have uh, more version uh, uh, hardware improvements for the end of this year.
0: Fabulous. I mean, but um, basically, the, 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 the hardware as it is, I mean, that was your eighth iteration that you eventually settled on in terms of the shape, the balance, like the whole look of the Temi. That's not going to change. That will stay the same?
1: For TEMI2, yes. Yep. There are there are small changes, you know, in the in the how it looks like because the sensors look different. But yeah. overall, yeah, it it's looks the same. same. Yeah. Uh, TEMI3, we aim for a bigger screen. Yeah. With a much more improved performance in terms of the operating system, CPU capabilities, improved Wi-Fi, Bluetooth models, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, and in parallel to all of that. Uh, we are working for all uh, the uh, uh, brothers and sisters of Temi, you know, to join the family, which oh. will be more uh, uh, oriented uh, to do specific work, like uh, delivery and uh, things in this uh, area, based on Temi technology.
0: Yeah, all right. Which, as as we both know, is excellent as it is. So, I mean, anything would just be an improvement with different hardware capabilities.
1: Yes, um, what we want to do is to make sure that we are keeping up with the technology available mm-hmm. uh, and not to be up de- uh, out of date. And uh, this and for hardware company, it's, it's, you know, it's not easy, because once you replace hardware component, probably you will need to replace other hardware component around it. Yeah. But uh, for us, what is important is to make sure that uh, if, uh, if we want to be the number one service robots in the world, you always need to bring to the customers the number one technology available in the world. Uh, otherwise, you will lose this risk. Yeah. Uh, so we are investing a lot of efforts of R&D and engineering and designing in order to improve TEMI from batch to batch.
0: Listen, I mean, you're competing in a, in a highly competitive market in China because uh, they've got the 2025 robotic like immersion that, you know, like their adoption rate of robotics is phenomenal worldwide. Um, How has it been accepted in China?
1: So China, so you're right. China is a very highly competitive uh, arena for robotics because they're, adapt, they're amazing adaption rates. They love technology. They love to interact with devices. They love to provide digital services, uh, which is great for us. Um, the competition is good. It's good because even if it's a, you know, it's, there is a high competition um, the entrance bar for this market is very high. Mm. So even if there is a, there are competitors, you know, the market is still huge. There is room for many players. but. We know very well our competitors. We know very well what they have to offer. And we are very, very confident in the package that we are providing. There is no robot that can compete with Temi on the price versus performance curve. There is no. Robots in the same price of Temi uh, are performing much worse mm. and robots with higher price are just not acceptable very well in the market. So I think that Temi is in a sweet spot on, uh, on this graph and uh, we will keep on improve the performance while reducing the cost uh, in the future.
0: So, what do you think the future is of robots like Timmy? Like, um, do you do you see like an explosion of this going forward? I mean, I was at CES in 2018, and it was just absolute phenomenal what was available on the market. Uh, obviously, with 2020 CES, like with COVID, I wasn't there. So, did you um, did you have a presence there? Um, was Timmy at CES then to see what was going on?
1: Um I think that uh, we are in the beginning of this revolution. It's the beginning. The COVID-19 uh, put the spotlight on this uh, on the need of the real need of these autonomous machines. Why? Because we saw it uh, running in many hospitals, for example, you know, to reduce the friction between the medical staff and the patients that were in quarantine mm-hmm. and once this happened other industries suddenly started to see this value how to give a remote service, how to give a autonomous tour guide, how to you know show a, a real estate a, a apartment for sale without the customer that uh, will need to come to the to see, you know, uh, in real time, but you yeah. can do it remotely. And there are endless use cases. Yeah. So I think that we are starting now, and uh, the world will move to these these solutions. Why? Because people wants to get to get faster solutions. People wants to get contactless solutions, not in every industry, okay? Not in every industry um, and I think that the companies that will lead the market in 21 and 22, which we, which are the years of the early adoption, will probably lead the market for the next decade. Um, yeah. Because there is definitely uh, endless applications that you can do with autonomous service robots
0: in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's the earlier doctors that are, um, you know, like they, they're willing to trial new technology. If the technology is there anyway, why not use it? Yeah. yeah. So, Gal, in closing, um. Any any closing thoughts on on from your side? Um, you're going to be in China for the foreseeable future. I'm sort of assuming. <laughs> How often do you get back to Israel?
1: Uh, actually, since the the <laughs> the COVID uh, started, we haven't been to Israel. So it's uh, about one and a half years from now. Uh, one and a half years from now. Um, I hope that we will be able to go and visit uh, at some point. The kids are missing the grandparents,
0: yeah, and the grandparents
1: are missing the kids as well, yeah. Um, But you know, China is being good to me. Um, I think that we will stay here uh, as long as it is needed. We feel that uh, our mission here uh, uh, has uh, has been accomplished. Yeah. And uh, it will take some time, but we're only
0: like. Sorry, you can hear my dog in the background. She's an opinionated little toy poodle. So, now, gal, if anyone's going to relocate to China or thinking of doing business there, um, uh, is it a bit presumptuous of me to say that they can contact you and get some tips on on how to do this?
1: I'll be very happy to to help uh, if I can. <laughs>
0: man that is so generous of you and so nice of you so gal thank you so much i can't thank you enough for your time it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and to our audience out there um i'll put gal's email address in the in the show notes and feel free to reach out to him if you're ever in china or need any uh advice on relocating there and i'll see you next week uh, for another episode of let's talk robotics